on today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I had the absolute honor of talking with Dan Magaw from Magaw.io. Dan is uh, just an exceptional human being. He was uh, on the leadership team at Kissmetrics. He worked very closely with Neil Patel, which is super cool. He's also uh, the founder of UTM.io, which is a service that I have used for a long time, makes uh, creating UTMs uh, super simple. Yeah, he is just an absolute gem, really knows his stuff. The big thing that him and I talked about today is how to build a tech stack that actually works and is amazing. So that was a really cool conversation. He is an absolute expert in this area, and him and I uh, just had a really, really great chat when it comes to what to include in your tech stack and what not to include. (laughs) I think that's the biggest thing because we all spend so much money on our tech. And so, yeah, I just felt like I learned a lot and I think you guys will as well. Today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by Mindful Marketing. At Mindful Marketing, they use ads to get you off using ads. Most e-commerce brands rely heavily on Facebook, Google, Snapchat, Twitter, and all the other paid platforms for the majority of their revenue. At Mindful Marketing, they use paid ads to help you build a community of loyal and repeat customers that will exist long after Facebook and Google do. In fact, Mindful Marketing wants to offer you a free e-commerce growth plan that they normally charge $500 for. A recent growth plan customer said, our ROAS tripled overnight after implementing their tactics. These guys are no joke at Mindful Marketing Co. So go to mindfulmarketing.co slash grow to claim your free e-commerce growth plan today. Now on to today's episode. I am honored to have Dan McGaw on Secrets to Scaling. Dan, welcome. Welcome. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yes, all the way from, I forgot to ask where you're from. I'm in Orlando, Florida, all surprisingly enough. So, uh, Orlando. Well, that's one of my favorite places that my wife and I like to go. We're all the way up in Vancouver. So like literally the opposite end of North America. Very um, long flight. Very yeah, long we, flight. we were on the, on the Disney train like multiple years in a row. Obviously COVID is, you know, semi hampered that. So yeah, for sure. Like it's interesting because Orlando is like a ghost town a little bit for a while there. So luckily we got some tourism back, but uh, yeah, Disney's huge here. Yes, yes, of course. I mean, yeah, I mean like all the theme parks, right? Like, yeah, it's just a great place to go. Yeah. We are not going to talk about theme parks on this podcast today, though. Uh, I love theme parks so much. We are going to talk about building cool shit. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So for our listeners who know absolutely nothing about you, and maybe some of them do, tell us a little bit about who you are and and what you do, Dan. Yeah, great question. I've been in marketing technology for over 20 years. So I got my start in 98 sending mass emails since before there was even a thing known as mass email. So I've just been around a lot. Some people recognize me from when I was the head of marketing at a company called Kissmetrics, one of the really famous companies in the digital marketing space. I was hired there to replace uh, Neil Patel, one of the founders of the company as the head of marketing. So some people recognize my name from when I ran that company. But I've just been around the block a lot, worked at a couple different cool companies, been one of the entrepreneurs that's been out there uh, kind of doing some cool stuff. Oh, awesome. I did not even know that about Kissmetrics. That's super cool, uh, which now makes sense because you're also uh, the founder of UTM.io. Is that correct? 
Yeah, great, great, great point. Uh, and it was actually interesting because at Kiss Metrics, that was one of our common problems is crappy UTM tracking. So one of the things I did when I started my agency, Magal.io, which is a marketing technology agency, is we built a Chrome extension to help our customers ultimately make better campaign tracking links using UTMs. And that was so popular as a free product. After two years, uh, we had so many people using it. People were telling us, hey, we'll pay you money to build this feature. Uh, we wound up saying, hey, let's turn it into a company. So we acquired uh, another company, UTM.io, basically threw out their code, it basically bought it for the domain. And then now we have UTM.io, which is one of the most popular campaign tracking link builder tools out there. Yeah, I, I just want to say at Mindful Marketing, our agency uh, in all of our companies, we used UTM.io. I mean, it's just like, it's the easiest possible way. We, we weren't even going to talk about this on the podcast, but like, it is like actually the easiest possible way to create UTMs. And UTMs yeah. give you so much more information you know, it just, it helps so much when you have a good UTM structure, which uh, UTM.io, this is my little plug for you guys here. Cause I actually love the product so much. It's just a Chrome extension that helps you out. And yeah, it's friggin' awesome. That's all I got to say about that. Well, thank you very much. And I appreciate you using the tool. <laughs> yeah, of course. But what I want to talk about is a good tech stack, the ultimate tech stack when it comes to e-commerce, why it matters and sort of how you go about creating and helping people create the best tech stack uh, for their e-com businesses. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think that the biggest thing about your tech stack is like, you need to make sure that you get all of your tools integrated. I mean, naturally, you have an e commerce store, maybe it's on Shopify, maybe it's on big commerce, who knows what it's on, but you need to be able to track all the things that are happening, what your customers are doing before they buy what they do after they buy and all that stuff. So you really need to make sure that you have a good stack that's set up and connected, because not only do you need to track what they're doing on your website, but you also need to track what are you doing to them? As an example, did a pop up come up? Did you send them an abandoned cart email? Did you send them nurture email? And how do all of those actions actually work together to create more revenue? So it's really, really important to have a well-oiled, integrated marketing technology stack. And that's one of the things that I write about a lot in my book, Build Cool Shit, is how to build a marketing tech stack so you can really push your business forward. So I'm assuming one of the biggest things that you look for when you're looking like to solve a problem that there is going to be a software solution for that you're looking to see how highly integrated they are. Is that correct? It's definitely a large component of it, right? I would definitely say that the integration makes it so you can create better personalization, better automation, better tracking. You actually have what's going on. But I also, when you think about trying to solve a problem, right, let's just focus on solving whatever that problem is. If we have too high of card abandonment, well, let's solve that. Will integration be the first thing that does that? I mean, maybe not, but it's going to be some other strategy, which is going to do that. But leveraging technology to accomplish that strategy is of course going to be what really helps you. When you go in and work with a company on their tech stack, I mean, I'm thinking about like our particular, our, our three brands that we have. I, I look at my yeah. tech stack and, and just like within Shopify, I think we're running like 62 apps. Like yeah. it's just, it's just crazy. It's crazy the amount of problems that we think that we needed to solve over the years. And still like we just went through and we called about 15 of them, but we, there's still 62 sitting there, right? Like what's the first yeah. thing that you do when you guys come in and consult with a company looking at their tech stack? Because I mean, this adds up to a lot of dollars, right? <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it no, costs absolutely. us a lot. It's a, it's a ton of money. And there's a lot of times that companies are spending twice as much money as they need to because tools overlap. I mean, of course, the first thing that we do with every company is we focus first on an objective and what are we trying to solve? So and most commonly, there's two objectives that companies are trying to solve. Hey, one is, hey, we lack visibility into the customer journey and we need to gain that visibility, which means they need measurement. And the other one is going to be focused on, hey, we lack the ability to 
convert our customers fast enough and we need to increase those conversions. So depending on those two objectives, I think the the outcomes are different what we would look at. But let's start with kind of like lack of visibility. Yeah, so the first yeah, thing that most companies really struggle with is they don't have a true understanding of what the customer is doing, how they're going through that funnel. And that in many cases is one, a lack of really good analytics and also a lack of integration. And that's where leveraging products like Zapier or Workato or even a segment as a customer data platform really kind of step in because as a customer is visiting your website, you can track them leveraging analytics. Most people are using Google Analytics, but really you've got to kind of upgrade. You got to switch to a mix panel and amplitude. These products are going to be able to track much, much more about the customer. Let you know how many times do they visit the product page? How many times do they visit the pricing page? How many times do they get to the abandoned cart flow and things like that? Mm. But not only will they track what happens on the website, but if you leverage tools like Segment, which is a customer data platform, you can also basically ingest in what emails that I send that person, what type of advertising am I potentially putting them in from a retargeting perspective, and then also send that into Amplitude. So you can really gain a full picture of not only what are they doing on our website, what is also happening uh, off our website, right? So what emails are they getting? What text messages? What push notifications are they getting? And then you can measure that as an individual funnel. Because I think the biggest thing that people forget about is they forget about the actions they do to the customer and what they put in front of that customer. And then does that convert? And they base all of this, whether it works off of uh, maybe conversion tracking in Klaviyo, which isn't a bad thing, right? Still good. But you should probably try to get all that data in the one central location for analytics. And that's really going to be able to help you get a 360 view, uh, 360 degree view of that customer, which is going to give you, I mean, basically glasses, right? I mean, right now you're flying your business blind if you can't see that. Absolutely. Oh, what I'm thinking about is, and Adam, oh, how do I not know? I remember Adam's name. Uh, CMO at Roan. He was talking about having the single source of truth, right? And yeah. how important that is to have that single source of truth. And that single source of truth cannot be Clavio. It cannot be Facebook ads. It can't be Google ads because they'll all lie yeah. to you. <laughs> they're not meaning to lie to you, but they will lie to you because they're tracking. I mean, similar with SMS, right? Like you see these massive numbers. I love SMS, but like, then you're like, well, what's your attribution settings? Well, it's 72 hour view, you know? Yeah. So like, oh, oh, really? So somebody just had to have looked at a text and then you get the, I mean, I know that's not what their attribution settings are. I think they're like 72 yeah. hour click or something like that, but that doesn't mean that that's the thing that drove the sale. Right. And so unless yeah. you step back and actually have a real view. And like you said, glasses on, it's just foggy, right? And you don't know what decisions to make. And that can make a massive difference profit-wise at the end of the year. It definitely can for sure. And I mean, I think um, one of the things that people have to remember is that when you're working with a platform like Facebook, Google, Clavio, anything, they're incentivized to make themselves look good. That's the reason why you use their software. It's the reason why you pay them more money and things like that. So sometimes it's really, really good to have comparative figures. Um, I will have to say, uh, and I don't know Adam from, I think you said the company was Roan. I definitely agree. We need to have kind of, uh, I don't always agree with a single source of truth. And the reason why is because what I think is that every tool that you use should get, in essence, the best mirrored copy of who that customer is. Because in mm. all of these different stack tools, don't get me wrong, you're not going to send Facebook all of your data, but like if you can, it's going to help you out in many cases. But when I think about like Clavio, Clavio, excuse me, you should have as much information in there as possible about the customer because that could be used for personalization, targeting, segmentation, all kinds of timing stuff. Like you should try to get as much data in there as possible. And if you have Clavio, if you have Shopify, if you have Just Uno, whatever, the more data that you get in those tools, the more abilities you have to have better outcomes. So for me, it's 
once again, I always like having my analytics tool, which is kind of my record of truth, but I also have my BI tool, which gives me that record of truth as well. I really try to make sure that I mirror that across all of my tools. And that's a, a very common uh, concept, especially I talk about it in my book, recycling your data through the system. So Clavio may get an update. We've got to get that update to other tools. So that way that data can be leveraged by everybody involved in the, in the mm. company, the e-commerce stack to do more outcomes. Can you talk to me about how you would do that? How would you take Clavio data and feed it back into like Facebook? Yeah, really, really good question. So one, there's of course platforms like Zapier, which it's not Zapier, it's Zapier for everybody. It's Zapier makes you happier. Zapier will enable you to be able to do those updates. Tools like Workato and Trade.io are also tools that are really good at doing that. For the Klaviyo example, I would also say Segment, which is a popular customer data platform, but right now they're having a little bit of a dispute on connecting Klaviyo into Segment. So uh, they're currently not uh, working on that integration, but that's, if you have a customer data platform, whether it be Segment and Particle, or any of the other ones out there like Exponia, what happens is, is as data is given to Clavio, what you can do is have that feed in real time via webhooks or whatever else to okay. another product, which is going to spread it around. And that's really what you want to see is data get spread around as much as you can. Where is that place that you like to spread data from? Oh, well, I mean, in our case, most of the times we're using, it's a combination of tools, depending upon who has an integration, right? Um, So Segment is usually our most popularly used customer data platform. So we're usually sending as much of our data to Segment. Segment will then distribute it. And for the listeners who don't know what Segment is, I'll I'll make sure I try to explain this. The customer data platform- I don't. So this is great. (laughs) I'm loving this. (laughs) Uh, A customer data platform is ultimately the platform where you send all of your customer data to. It then distributes that data to all of your tools. The problem that Segment started out solving is, and you might see this a lot, is when you have a developer that has to write JavaScript on your website for when somebody purchases, they now have to write JavaScript to inform Google Analytics, Google Ads, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all of these different syntaxes. They've got to tell HubSpot, whatever. That process is expensive because the developer's got to write 16 different versions of code to make it so it works with all those tools. Instead, Segment comes in and you write analytics.js, which is what the developer write. They write one line of code, which would be like purchased. Segment then is like the Rosetta Stone of APIs and then distributes that data to all of your downstream tools mm. in one line of code. So it reduces developer time. It reduces a lot. Over the years, they've evolved into a much larger platform than that. And they now hold a single record of truth of your customer. In their platform, you can log in and see every event, every property, every identity attribute of that customer. So you can know every everything you want, as long as you track it, doesn't matter where it is, you can, of course, save it to that profile. But the reason why Segment is so valuable is not only can you send data to it from your mobile app, your website, your servers, whatever you want, your POS system, as long as you have an identifier, their email or a UID in essence, you can also connect other tools. So Salesforce as an example, right? Or yeah. Shopify as an example. You would set that up as a source of data for Segment. Segment then would consume it and then also resend it everywhere else. So from a customer data platform perspective, which is one of the hottest pieces of marketing tech over the past five years, Segment is the big behemoth in the space, one of the best companies out there in that space. That's going to be what really, really helps you get all of this data moved around, get it all synced up and really be effective with all the activities that you need to do from a marketing, sales, whatever perspective, even customer success uses it. How do you link up the customer journey into segment? I'm assuming UTM, this is where UTMs come in. That's definitely that one of the key or, things. or is it dif- different? So with segment, like many of these analytics platforms or many of the other customer data platforms, I don't want to only just say segment's your only option, but even if you use autopilot, which is a very popular marketing automation tool, you JavaScript on your website, as soon as a user hits the website, there's an anonymous ID, which is created some random hash that's 64 digits long, and it just tracks that user via the cookies on the website. Now that's going to 
to be how Segment will track you as well, that anonymous ID. Now, if you came to the website because you had UTMs, it's going to store that data and save it for that user. So in the future, when they purchase, you can say, hey, X user came from this campaign, they purchased this. So first touch attribution are these UTMs. So it's what ties all of the things together. And all you really have to do is add that JavaScript to your website and it's going to start tracking. How does something like this compare to a platform like Hyros? Hyros, what is that? That's a great tool to be uh, briefed on. What is that? <laughs> so Hyros, I actually, it's interesting. I am not a huge Hyros fan. Yeah, I, I think I've heard of this tool before. How do you spell yeah, it? Yeah, so H-Y-R-O-S. So I yeah. decided to test it. Uh, I also run a, a mastermind and I was like, I was asking everyone in there, hey, have you guys tried Hyros? And nobody had, so I'm like, okay, I guess I'm the one who's gonna spend the five grand and test it out for everyone. Yeah. And I was not, I was not impressed with the way that the tool worked. It, I get it, I get the idea, but they use server-side tracking. The issue is that you know every new ad needs to have this specific line of code on it, right? Or like it's not yeah. even, it's it's like a different kind of UTM. So what, what happens is then obviously people forget to put that on and then you just don't have any tracking whatsoever, right? And yeah. so I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Super cool tool, love the idea. If I was running my own marketing and I could do everything right and be really in there i think the more tools that people need to be briefed on the more things that will break that's just my opinion of a lot of these particular tools yeah no i have heard of this tool before and interestingly enough i don't know the full premise of the whole tool but it's definitely around like optimizing your campaigns they do multi-touch attribution it sounds like based upon some of their marketing there's another product out there called um there's one there's a lot of marketing attribution i know a lot about the marketing attribution and multi-touch attribution space there's a company out there called um attributionapp.com and one of the great things about their platform is you don't have to append any additional code you can just use the out-of-the-box tracking that's going to come from these platforms and it can tie them all together but it does and have this artificial intelligence help to it. I wouldn't say that Segment replaces Hyros because of course this is a kind of a different focus on optimizing just ads. Segment is across the entire customer journey. So ads, email, SMS, it's trying to track everything. And Hyros of course is very similar, but it seems to be all focused on optimizing your ads. Yeah, and, and I guess what I'm trying to figure out when it comes to attribution in general, right? Is what actually had the most impact? Because like, yeah. cool, that's great that they clicked in here and then clicked back in here. But I, that doesn't actually tell me why they purchased. That doesn't give yeah. me any of that information, right? They could have clicked to my website a hundred times because I just set up a bunch of display ads that they accidentally clicked on, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, and I do a lot in multi-touch attribution. I mean, I if you go to magal.io and go to our blog post, we have like, how do you get started in multi-touch attribution? And it's an at-length post that will tell you like the basics all the way through. You know, We'll put that in the, the show day, notes, Dan, because I, I think that'll be super helpful. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And that'd be awesome. The problem is, is you never know. It doesn't matter. Like we're dependent upon touch points. We're dependent upon cookies. We're dependent upon tracking. But at the end of the day, you don't know what's going on in that customer's head. Something just happened. So that makes it really hard. And we we're inferring the reason based upon the tracking that we have. And products like Windsor.ai, Attribution App, Rockerbox, which is of course a more B2C focused multi-touch attribution product. All of these companies do multi-touch attribution and can tell you, hey, email was 33% of the touch points. And the biggest reason why this group of users converted or last touch was on brand or display, whatever. All these tools can distribute it, right? But at the end of the day, even if you look at multi-touch attribution, you're not learning why the customer did that. You're learning how the customer did that. Mm. And that's yeah. the big separation that I think me being in the space for so long at this point, I really understand those separations. And going back to something you said earlier is people try to get super definitive in regards to what's happening. And I know this really to, to scale and grow
grow a business, it's all about knowing directionally what's working. It doesn't have to be definitive. When you're at a large scale, start to get much more definitive, but really you need to know which direction's north when it comes to your tracking and attribution and multi-touch attribution will really help you get that directional guidance because you're never going to know why. I mean, I just, oh, actually, I really wanted to buy your product, but I got reminded by your display ad. But really what happened was, is my son complained about having a crappy soccer ball, right? And I just happened to see your ad for soccer balls and I clicked on it. So I think there's a, a, a separation between why and how and marketers lose that sometimes in tracking. Also, I don't think customers know the why <laughs> lots of times, right? It's like- Totally agree. I don't know, this was <laughs> cool. <laughs> Is it totally gonna make me agree. look skinnier or something? Okay, cool, I'm yeah. in. Like, yeah, it's super difficult. Dan, I gotta ask you the yeah. question I ask everyone who comes on this podcast. What is your secret to scaling? Oh, not giving a shit? I mean, I think that'd be the easiest one. I think that, uh, so I definitely, uh, I've been- I'd, I'd, I'd actually time. love for you to get into that because I there's a piece of that that I actually believe. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think a lot of people just care too much sometimes. They try to make things too perfect. And I'm always in the mentality of like, let's just get started and kind of organically let things go on the right path and then figure things out as it happens. And then when we see something working, okay, let's double down on that. I just have a little lack of uh, care in regards to certain areas and I just want to get started. So that would be the biggest claim to fame, but uh, in regards to my success. But I think to kind of back off of that, I mean, the biggest reasons why I've been able to scale companies is because I had vision into what was going on. I had good analytics. Every one of my companies has good analytics and we know what's happening. I think a lot of companies don't focus enough on the data uh, and they don't focus enough on like just doing what's right at the same time. You should be data informed, not data driven. The data should help inform your decision, but you shouldn't just do what the data is telling you. Like still got to listen to your gut there. I think that's a podcast title right there for today. Being data informed, not data driven. I love that, right? Because it, it does take into mind the human aspect of people purchasing things, right? Like, <laughs> absolutely. You don't, it's, it's not robots that are clicking yeah. over to your website. Well, definitely, there's totally robots clicking over to your website. Yes, as well, yes, but, yes, uh... yes. <laughs> They're not but the ones the who are making time. the purchases. <laughs> yeah. People do things for, I mean, I one of the biggest things that we see in the marketing technology is, and we consult uh, a lot of big brands, a lot of medium brands, a lot of small brands, they buy things and they don't even know why. I mean, somebody, we just got out of a meeting a couple hours ago and somebody had purchased $50,000 in this expensive software suite. And then we're like, this is totally the wrong tool for you. Why'd you buy it? And they're like, well, because the sales rep told me this, this, and this. But why do you need those features? Well, I didn't really think about that kind of stuff. And it's like, dude, you just spent 50 grand on a tool that you don't even need. You could have bought like, but the sales rep was a good salesperson. And so that's why yeah. they bought it. So that happens all the time. Same with cars, same with shirts, glasses, all the things. There's not always a reason why we understand. That's great stuff. I'm going to ask you three more questions. This is our lightning right. round, but it's a misnomer calling it a lightning round. Because okay. it's not that fast. Oh <laughs> uh, Well, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. This may be a difficult question. The first one for you. What is your favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Oh, that is a really, really hard tool. Favorite tool that I'm using right now? I don't really, I don't have one right now, which is hard. Like I'm actually a little bit, you know, I have to... I have a couple favorite tools. Like one, I love Salesforce. Don't get me wrong. Autopilot, which is my favorite marketing automation platform out there. I always love that tool because I can create amazing outcomes, do all kinds of personalization, all kinds of stuff. I love Segment. I mean, the, the powers that Segment gives me is just super, super crazy. Uh, a lot of stuff. But um, can't think of like a, uh, a tool that I'm like super pumped up about right now. Unfortunately, as a CEO, like my most exciting part is QuickBooks at this point. So that's lame. <laughs> Like super lame, <laughs> so lame. Sorry. You just love when they spit out those P and L's, eh? 
<laughs> yeah, I just want to see. I want to see. I want to see how much money we're making, and that's what I'm focused on. I'm trying to think. That's a good question. I just don't have a good answer. I wish I did. No, no. I, I actually thought to myself, this may be a difficult question for somebody like you. So that's yeah. I see a lot of tools. Jeez, oh man, am I a whore of tools? That's for sure. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tools a, a month. So <laughs> that's great, Dan. Uh, another question for you: favorite podcast or audio book that you're listening to right now? Uh, I'm listening to the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss again, because I felt like I needed to uh, get motivated to remove myself from work. I would yeah. definitely say like my favorite book probably of all times would be Principles by Ray Dalio is really, really high up there. Uh, the Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz is a really, really good book. And then one of the books that I think that impacted my life the most, which I was not expecting it. I have a teenage old a teenager uh, as a son, he's 15, and I'm going to forget the book's name. There's a book, it's like Outbrain. I'll remember it once I stop thinking about it, but it's a really, really good book that talks about the uh, adolescent's mind. And that book was great. It taught me how to read people, even when they're old, because of what happened to them as a kid. But I can't remember the name. I'll follow up and give it to you for sure. Sorry about that. Shoot, you gave me so many good suggestions and I was looking forward to that one too. (laughs) Oh man, oh man. Just know that a teenager is like a cat. That's the biggest thing to understand. For the listeners out there, please... Contact me on LinkedIn and tell me what book that is, okay? I would absolutely love to hear that. <laughs> um, uh, just while I... while you're while while you're quickly trying to figure out what book that is, I gotta say I so I've never read Principles. That is a book that I would love to read. It's kind of been on one of those ones that's been on the back of my list. I'm re-listening right now to Seven Habits. And holy cow, that is just a transformational Mm. book. Every single time I read it, I'm like, I want to be a better person. I, yeah, there you go. Seven habits of highly effective people. Like I have the card. So, oh my gosh. I think this is the third year in a row that I've read through it. And it's like, every time I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm listening to this for the first time. Again, I, I, this morning it was uh, talking about the quadrants, you know, like, oh, I am so right now in quadrant one of, you know, important and urgent things. And I need to get out of that. And it's, yeah, just principled living. It's, it's so hard to do. But so important. Yeah, I need to reread the book. That's a good recommendation. I'll read that again. And the book is called Brainstorm. Oh, about Brainstorm, teenage okay. mind. Brainstorm's really, really good. It kind of helps you understand what happens to that mind, but also helps you understand why people become the people they are when they're adults. And principles, I will warn people, it is a long book and it is dense. The first third of it, maybe half of it is about Ray Dalio and his life. And if you don't know who Ray Dalio is, the most successful hedge fund man ever created the most successful hedge fund ever. Uh, guy's the reason why the stock exchange works the ways it is. And he's still alive, right? He's crazy, crazy smart, crazy rich. Um, but the book was really, really uh, transformative for me to think about business and to realize I'm I'm not a lonely, crazy person. There's other crazy mm. people out there like me. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Go one more question for you. If you could sit down with anybody for an hour, they have to be alive have coffee, tea, beer, wine, who would it be? I would probably say Warren Buffett. I would probably have to say that. That would probably be the person I would go for. How, how come Warren? I'm with you. I think that'd be great. I just love to know why. Yeah. So I, I think a big thing for me is always focusing on the long game, right? And trying to understand like what's going long. But one of the things that Warren Buffett is really, really good at is taking basically somebody's PL and their cash statements and things like that and being able to figure out the math on whether they're going to be a successful business and then how to appropriately replace that management team to make that a successful business. Because obviously he's trying to buy a company stock 
stock and then make more money off of it? How does he identify the right management team? And I think that's a big focus for me today is how do I build the right management team at each mm -hmm. one of my companies? And then yeah. as well as as I invest or buy other companies, how do we make sure that they have the right managers in place? And I think that's something that Warren Buffett obviously is very, very talented with the numbers, but how is he also assigning those management teams is a big focus of mine right now. Oh, that's great. That's yeah, I, I'm with you right now too in all of that. So that's great. And that's really where the leverage as a CEO and founder comes from, right? Is being on top of things, right? The not working, obviously not working in your business. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, not working on your business, but working above, yeah. right? That's a very hard switch. That's what I'm oh. in the process of trying to make sure is that I can work above the business. I don't think I'm there yet, but um, we're getting there. Yeah. Where can people find out more about you? And if they need help with their tech stack, which I'm sure a hundred percent out of a hundred percent of people need help with, uh, where can people find out more about you and, and get some help with that? Yeah. Great question. So uh, one, you can go to magal.io, which is our website. You would be able to get a free copy of my book on the website as well. It's in the, the header. So you can definitely get a free copy there. But if you want to engage with me, LinkedIn is the most active place. So I, I, I'm not on real, I'm on Twitter, but I don't participate. But LinkedIn is a great place to be able to reach out to me, ask questions and things like that. So I'm very active uh, on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. I'm going to make sure we're connected uh, right after this. I, I think we are, but uh, I'll make sure. Dan, thanks so much yeah. for your time today. This was a great conversation. I'm really happy that you came on the podcast. I think there's a lot, a lot of dense stuff in here and hopefully we didn't use too many acronyms. I was aware of that during one point, but uh, just yeah. get your acronym uh, dictionary out and, and hopefully you'll figure them out. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me. This has been a pleasure and you've been great. So I appreciate it. Thanks. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.